Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 49. That's awesome. Well, we'll see how awesome you think it is after we talk about Blackest Night JSA number 3, <laughs> Green Arrow number 30, and Tiny Titans number 25. Well, no, I just mean it's awesome that we're up to episode 49. Yeah! That means next episode is episode 50. Screw that, I'm waiting for episode 52. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm just going to make a uh, an announcement right here that... Episode 50 is going to come out after episode 51. What? Well, 50 is our Super Show episode. Yes. That's, you know, that's going to take some time to put together. So next week will be episode 51, and then the following week will be episode 50. I, I mean, come on, people. It's not like we haven't done this before. So, okay, so... I guess what we first have to do is talk about our fantastic sponsor, Arobasilver. Arobasilver.com, they have awesome, awesome rings. They have other silver jewelry as well. But really, you know, the main draw for us is the Green Lantern rings. They're made in silver. They have a tremendous selection of designs. Like, really, like, it's, it's crazy how many designs they actually have now. When when I first started going to ArobaSilver.com, they had, you know, a few different selections here and there. And, you know, gradually over time they added a few here. And then they had the Earth's Heroes lineup. And they just, like, basically rolled out four brand new rings. And then they introduced, like, the one black band ring. And now all of a sudden they have, like, a whole line of black band rings. So there is really a huge selection. They have so many different designs. You have to check it out. ArobaSilver.com. If you go to the site when you're about to check out, type in the promo code DSC10. You'll save 10%. So save some money, check them out, arobasilver.com. And uh, tell them the Lantern Cast sent you so that they know that you know our listeners are, uh, are the ones buying and they just can't get enough of arobasilver.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dan, why don't you take away Blackest Night JSA? Alright, well, okay. Blackest Night JSA. This is by, like, 12 people. <laughs> um, what happens in this issue? Okay, well, Jess Quick is running around with her dad. Everybody else is fighting Black Lantern Superman. And Mr. Terrific presses a button, blows up every Black Lantern in New York City, and severs their connection. <laughs> Oh, oh! So it's gonna be like that. That's the issue. Yep. Yeah. I want to say that I think the art was kind of hit or miss. Like certain areas, it, it was you know it was really good, and certain areas it was not at all. That means you don't like either Eddie Barrows or Marcos Mars. Or, and or, Eduardo Pensica, Pence, I don't know. <laughs> well, it may be that I don't like them, or it may be that I don't like the inks of Eddie Barrows, or Luciana Del Negro, or Wayne Foucher, or Eber Ferriera, and Sandro Ribeiro. 
Because, like, literally one, two, three, four, five people worked on inks. Looking at these credits now, it's like they didn't have enough people, so they included a special thanks to Jeff Johns. It's like... <gasps> <laughs> yeah. And and I have to say, like, the the page with the credits, I like that. Like, that's a good page. That's really, really well drawn. You know? Uh, even Even the coloring for, like, the intro is is really well done. Um you know, spot spots here and there. The art is is definitely, you know, really well done. And then you have other spots where unless you're like in the foreground, you know, then you're basically gonna be drawn like a tiny little blob with no details. You know, like when, when Black Lantern Superman is like fighting uh Power Girl, he like, you know, smashes down on her. Like, the man has, like, no facial features. It, like, goes from details to no details. The Jesse Quick racing around the world with her father. Like, you know, some panels it's got details, some panels it's, like, a stick figure kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the deal with Mr. Terrific sometimes having pupils and sometimes not? I don't know. I, I can't remember if he's supposed to. Actually, I don't think he is. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't know. That's the fall of one of those eight guys we named before. I don't know. Oh, and wait, there was there was one other thing. Um, let's see where is. Oh yes, here we go. On page two, actually, page two, when they're doing the the origin of Superman of Earth two, I'm pretty sure that this is like a huge problem because. Like, I'm not 100% familiar with Earth 2, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm pretty sure that Alan Scott was not a member of the Green Lantern Corps. Oh, his symbol there? Yes. You know, stuff like that. You know, th- th- those little tiny, tiny details probably don't mean much to most people, but it gets me. I think they tried giving him that emblem for a while at some point. Didn't last, but... I don't know. Um, on the next page, it looks like uh, Power Girl has, like, one merged super boob. You mean she doesn't? Well, she has just... It's, <laughs> it's just one one giant boob. I know. They're fused together, apparently. The issue itself, it went really, really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a saving grace, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's one funny part in here. Yeah. In the middle, I think it's like the center fold of the issue where, um, you know, it's a or Cyclone hits Superman down with her wind powers or whatever. In the middle of the page, it, it's, it's like almost like a little like like background thing or like Our Man just punches Superman in the chest and yells "ow." Like that's <laughs> that was funny to me. Yeah. Yeah, actually, strangely enough, I was going to mention something that happens right above that. Citizen Steel is, like, flying through the air at Superman. Yeah, he can't do that, can he? No, he can He can barely walk because his body is made of steel. Yeah, he's, like, totally heavy. And, you know, like, if, if they're trying to imply that Cyclone is, like, making him fly towards Superman, like, you know, even that, I don't... First off, they didn't draw it so that it looks like that. And second of all, I don't even know if she would be able to do that at his weight. 
What did you think of their solution to wipe everybody out? This is exactly what I didn't want to see happen. This is this is a thing like like a number of tie-in books have tried to scientifically recreate the the power of the rings or the white light or whatever to to wipe out black lanterns and sever connections, but every single one of them has failed because it's not as simple <laughs> as that. So I thought it was a given that okay, you know what, this one will fail too. Except they, it doesn't. It works. <laughs> this is like this is like the biggest load of bullshit ever. It should not have worked. And then they give their explanation for why it works. Is that okay? Uh, uh, the original Mister Terrific, the first person he took out when he showed up was Jamal Thunder. Which you know, unless they got a new character, his name's Jakeem. Because he he controls the the magic thunderbolt, he's basically got a genie that can do whatever the hell he wants. So they he figured out, okay, well if I combine the powers of everyone in this room, I can duplicate the power of the thunderbolt, and we can hit them with it, and it'll go boom. How does that work? It doesn't. Like, that like and and the so his his whole plan seemed to be based on the idea that that like the generic energy emitted by this one creature, this one genie, <laughs> is the energy that wipes out Black Lanterns. That That's not true! <laughs> and he jumped to this conclusion based on the fact that he saw a kid get punched in the face. And, and, and he's so sold on, well, no, this is what has to happen, this has to work, that he's sealing up Green Lantern and Dr. Fate in a box. And letting the likes of, like, Cyclone and Stargirl fight a rabid, murderous Superman. Like, what the hell? Everything about this is retarded. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, you know, like, I can understand the concept of taking out Jakeem. And and you're right. It's it's Jakeem, not Jamal. Yeah. Which he makes that mistake twice. I guess he doesn't know his name very well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because just for for the power the Thunderbolt has and the versatility, you would want to take him off the table. It makes sense there. And realistically, you know what? He he is the Thunderbolt. He's from like what two dimensions up? He's from the fifth dimension. So, you know, if any being can take these things out, it's probably the Thunderbolt. Um, the problem is, like, you have to wish for it. So, like, if, if basically, you know, if, um, if this device was somehow able to summon, you know, uh, summon the, the genie, so that way they could make the wish and wipe out the Black Lanterns, I would have bought that. But to just simulate the same energy, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's, uh... But wait, wait. What What's even better is that, like, when, you know, after it works, you know, after it miraculously should not work, and it does, he's like, you know, oh, we can't make another one. This was a one-time thing because all those components were unique. What, what are you talking about all those components were unique? Like, you just happen to have 
one of every component that you needed to build this this bomb to take out all these black lanterns? How, how does that happen? How do you happen upon one of each of those those items? And you're the third smartest person in the world. Wouldn't it make sense to like get on the horn and tell everybody to start making these things as fast as humanly possible so that you can take out the rest of these things? Yeah, because the way that I understood the science of this thing working was like, he basically built a giant container that would hold and mix together the energy output from these specific people. So it's like, I mean, unless there was something insanely just, I I don't even know the word. Like, I I mean, obviously he still has access to like 100% of the energy that went into fueling this thing. Mm -hmm. So it was the physical structure of the, I'll say bomb, was the (laughs) physical structure of that so vital to it? Or was it just like, because it seems like he was just, yeah, wait a second. You're right. Because Green Lantern was, was stabilizing the matrix, wasn't he? Yeah. And Dr. Fate too. So the two of them were stabilizing the Matrix. What the hell was the device doing? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, and another thing is how do you have a computer program that can monitor, you know, and mix Green Lantern energy with lightning and star power and magic? This is on par with um, a wishing machine. I'll, I'll take the wishing machine over this. Me too. The wishing machine actually had better components that would make more sense. And it had a musical number. It's true. Um, I guess I wanted to like what they did with Jesse here. I mean, uh, her whole, like, subplot through this issue is that, you know, she knows that this isn't her dad, but, you know, ever since he, she lost him, all, she's lost him a couple times now, but <laughs> since losing him, she always thought, you know, you know, I'd give anything for just ten more minutes with him, and here and here it is. So she takes advantage of it and realizes, you know what? It's not the same. This isn't this isn't what I wanted. This isn't it's not worth it. She's getting past her inability to let her dad go, right? Which then seems to get kind of undermined by the fact that Mister Terrific's stupid bomb takes. The Black Lantern away from her, regardless. Well, yeah, like that would like that story. I think was the most appealing part of this issue, and it, for me, it, it really does work. Like it, it is really it's an interesting character piece for her. The only problem is, how the hell would she know that this bomb is happening that she's like bringing her father towards? I don't think she did. Oh, well, no, it's the, the way that she's talking here, you know, it, but it turns out the price was too high. As she's racing towards this bomb going off, so for one last time, you're going to let me win the race, and that's it. Like, she she totally knows that this is it for him. You know, I, I, I just read it as, like, she's running along, They uh, she's just having her moment, and then all of a sudden, boom. No, no, because if you look... Uh, you know, the the panel where she says, you're going to let me win the race. You're going to let me win the race. Like, that, it's like, she knows that this is ending. 
And in the very next panel, as he's fading away, like she's got her eyes closed, like, yeah, I know what's happening right now. Mm. I like the last panel with her in it. The connection severed has more than one meaning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely the best part of this issue. Yeah. I liked that last panel with her in it. That was it. <laughs> I like that and the hour man punching the dude that didn't work. So, that sucked. Wanna talk about Green Arrow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, you got Green Arrow. This is, oh, this is by the way, uh, Green Arrow, number 30, uh, Blackest Night tie-in. It's got a, got a fantastic Greg Horn cover, which is taken from the old Neil Adams cover. This cover is, like, the one and only appearance of the Black Lantern Oath since Blackest Night, number zero. Yeah. I've been consciously looking for it since that issue, and this is the first time it's been used again. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is this is a fantastic cover. I, I really got to hand it to Greg Horn. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this issue, we get a, a nice little recap of Green Arrow's origin. Uh, right now, he's a Black Lantern after being taken over by Necron. And he's, you know, going after the heroes. In this case, he's going after Hal, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. And he's trying to fight it on the inside, and he, it's not not winning, you know. He's he's not winning out, so he's basically you know beating up Hal. When all of a sudden Flash comes to the rescue, and yanks Hal out of there. So Ollie's you know thinking to himself, Ollie being Green Arrow, he's thinking, good, you know, you got him out of here, you know, you could save him. But it turns out that Green Arrow still has a whole bunch of his you know friends and te- teammates and whatnot that are still right there. So he starts going after them, throwing truth arrows at them to really, you know, shake them to the core. He's trying to fight it. He's really, really trying to fight it, and it's just not working. He can't be damaged. He can't be hurt by, you know, any of their their weapons or anything like that. But then Black Canary, she uses one of her sonic screams, and it basically, you know, destroys him. But as he's being rebuilt... Ollie is able to, like, you know, send out a quick warning, to, you know, for them to, to start running. And, you know, before, you know, another, the next second, the Black Lantern is still in control. But Ollie is able to, you know, force out one tiny little bit of willpower to, you know, move his arrow slightly, in which case, you know, it ends up saving their lives. And they end up freezing him with, uh, what is it, liquid nitrogen? Yeah. Yeah. So now he's completely frozen. I think we both have the same three basic things wrong with this, but overall, I thought this was—I thought this was a pretty good issue, like above average issue. And I'm—I'm I'm saying that as not a Green Arrow reader, mm-hmm. like, it, like this did make me, because every now and then I think about like getting a Green Arrow trade or something, and I just never do it. And like maybe part of that comes from the fact that like his son Connor is more like my Green Arrow in. Air bunnies. But, um, I don't know. I just, I like this. Like, the first page of this by itself almost made me want to read a Green Arrow story. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I pretty much liked it. Like, the writing made you feel for Ollie. The art was, it was pretty consistently good. 
yeah, I like I'll I'll definitely agree with that. The art in this I thought was was very well done. I had no problems with the art whatsoever. What what do you think were the three issues that I was going to bring up? Can I go in reverse order? Absolutely. Building to number one. Yes. Let's see. Number three, Ollie was able to exert a modicum of willpower to overcome the black ring ever so slightly. Um, I actually didn't have a problem with that. Really? You know, like, it was just, you know, he used all the willpower that he had, and it just created, like, a, a tiny, like, the tiniest spark so that the arrow, you know, was, it went, like, in a slightly different direction. I mean, like, if we're going to accept that, you know, uh, Superboy was able to use his heat vision as a, as a Black Lantern, then, like, I'm totally buying that, you know, this arrow went, you know, slightly off course. Oh, yeah, and I, and I absolutely chalk it up as being the same kind of thing, which is why I assumed you would hate it. Because you hated that. Yeah, yeah, well, I guess, I guess because of that, you know, if it's happening there and here, then, you know, it's like almost like they're establishing that these characters can do that. Alright, well then you probably don't care about number two. Which is? Which is, Ollie's able to verbally tell them, run. (laughs) Uh, yeah, actually, I, I... Honestly, didn't have that big of a problem with that. Um, you know, it's he's he's rebuilding, so the the Black Lantern is at its weakest at that moment because he's spending so much time concentrating on rebuilding. So if Ali is going to get a word out, you know that's when it's going to happen. God, who the hell are you? All right, all right, number one, number one, number one. Yes, he didn't kill Hal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, not by a long shot, actually. <laughs> hmm. That I definitely had a problem with. Yeah, in Zero Hour, Ali shot an arrow at Parallax, Hal Jordan, and it it shook Hal Jordan that his friend would do this, you know, and, and broke his concentration, in which case, you know, they were able to end up, you know, winning um, Zero Hour, but Hal Jordan, like, lived on for, you know, quite a while after that and ended up giving his life to reignite the sun in Final Night. And everybody knew that. Yeah. Now, at first I thought, well, you know what? Maybe because Ali died before Final Night. So maybe, maybe like the timing of his death, you know, he died before he ever saw Hal again. So he didn't know he didn't kill Hal right then. Because, I mean, when when Ollie shot Hal at the end of Zero Hour, he and, uh, Hal and Kyle disappeared and finished the fight in, like, in a Green Lantern issue. So I'm like, oh, maybe Ollie died before he ever saw Hal again to confirm that he didn't kill him. And, you know, since they all came back, it just hasn't come up because, you know, why would you want to sit down with your best friend and talk about that time? Hey, remember that time I murdered you? Yeah. But then I remembered, um, I think it, the story was called Parallax View. Okay. It, it it was a Green Lantern story arc that came, uh, it it came after Zero Hour and before Ollie's death. Right. Where Ganthet was rounding up heroes to fight Parallax, and Ollie was one of them, so he would know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. 
So yeah, I definitely I definitely had an issue with that. Obviously, uh, you know to to make that the worst day of his life, and you're basing the worst day of his life on something that's incorrect. I mean, I could still see it as the worst day of his life because I mean, I mean, I totally buy the idea that he was shooting at Parallax with the intention of killing him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you get to the point where you're you're standing over your best friend holding a deadly weapon and not only are you, have you gotten that far, but you're, you actually do, you know, quote, quote unquote, pull the trigger. Yeah. Like, even if they don't die, that would still be like so God awful to live with. So like, I could buy that, but he just, he didn't kill him. That's, it doesn't take the punch out of it, but it, he just did not kill him. Yeah. Okay. I, I can, I can give it that, you know, even though it was still incorrect, but yeah, yeah, okay, that, so that could be his worst day. Um, yeah, you know, like, what it comes down to is, with this issue, I, I think it was a well-done issue. Yes. You know, like, the art, the art was very, very good, you know, by my standards. The story was well-written, you know, except for the tiny little parallax thing, but whatever, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Um... The the thing that with this issue is that like it wasn't it wasn't like fun for me to read. You know what I'm saying? Like the way the the, the tactics that Black Lantern Green Arrow uses as far as you know to inflict the most amount of pain, you know, on these different characters, you know, on his his son and his wife, like it's it's really really mean. And, you know, like, like I said, it's well written in that by, by writing those things and by, you know, doing those visuals, it makes you, you know, it it gives you a reaction. You know, it, it definitely gives you a reaction. But I guess what it comes down to is I'm not really looking for that kind of reaction from a comic book. And, you know, J.T. Krull, you know, his, his writing ability you know, I, I'm not I'm not questioning that at all. I'm not, you know, trying to take away from that in any way. He did a very good job. What I guess what I'm saying is that like just because you can tell a very, you know, well written story that has a you know, a pull on somebody, I don't necessarily know, you know, like the extent to which you know you know, it, like basically if he took it too far to the point that, you know, it's like, you know, I'm a little, you know, squirmy because of, like, okay, well, what's going to happen in the future for these characters? They they basically opened up, like, you know, enormous cans of worms because this stuff, it did happen. It's not, like, it's not lies. Like, he's showing them things that actually happened, that Ollie actually did. And, you know, like, that stuff, that's, like, emotionally scarring stuff. That's stuff that's really going to, you know, mess with with him and his wife it's like and and also uh with him and his son you know it's like now they have all these issues i guess he's giving himself stuff to work with in the future for the character issues that he has to deal with but you know like you know i want the hero to you know to save the day i want the hero to win and you know bogging bogging him down with with this kind, you know, this this level of 
emotional, you know, baggage that he has to deal with now with his loved ones. You know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's pretty heavy, and I don't know that it's something that I want to, you know, that I would want to keep on, you know, reading. This reminds me of people's reaction to the movie Dark Knight. Because there, there have been a lot of people who have who have said they didn't really like the movie because it was so not not just so dark, but it was so kind of depressing and the, the way it ended. And you know, go watch it; it was a good movie. But um, and it, what it comes down to is like, well, yeah, it was. That's that's the story they were telling. You know, if you know, they couldn't give it a happy ending or a bright one or have, you know, Batman, the hero come out on top and save everybody and everything be all great because that would, you know, that's, that's not the story they had spent the entire movie telling with this, the things they had black lantern, green arrow say and do put that up against his inner monologue and like every shot of his true face, they cut to throughout this entire thing and you know those two elements running side by side it helps you really just feel for this character for what he's going through and the fact that i think i think it was the uh the superboy issue that said at first that everything the black lanterns say comes from what you from like the things that are they're in your memory, the things that you left unsaid because they would be too hurtful, the things you held back from your loved ones because they're your loved ones. I don't know, it's 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 a tool used it's a tool to 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 build up some level of empathy and caring for these characters because of what horrible things they have to go through. You know well, you know, like with the the Dark Knight comparison a lot of dark stuff happens, but, you know, it's, it's not like we get a revelation where, you know, Batman, you know, like, information is revealed and Batman killed Alfred's son, you know, which was, you know, previously uh, an unknown murder, you know, like, because if, if something like that happened, then things would never be the same and like the, the the relationship between Batman and Alfred which is you know a relationship that is you know it's such a great aspect to that character you know you'd never be able to go back to you know the where where it was you know such a good relationship it's like all of a sudden like you've just unleashed a you know a, a a revelation, you know, and you can never, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, once you open Pandora's box, there's no going back. Now, all of a sudden, you know, everything that was bad in the box is now in the world, and you can never put that back in the box. Yeah, but that's a fantastic thing to have happen when you're dealing with pretty much perpetually open-ended long-form storytelling about a set, about a set of characters. The fact that all of these skeletons in Ollie's closet are out now. You know, once Blackest Night is over, he's still going to have to interact with these people. Right. That can lead to like some really just just good plot lines if they play it right. You know, good good character stuff, good 
evolutions of relationships. Well, I mean, the stuff that happened in this is less of, you know, it's going to lead less to evolution of relationships as to, like, the breaking down of relationships. You know, like, if, if that, if I guess if that was their goal and, you know, they wanted a way to split up Green Arrow and Black Canary. Like, you know what? This wedding thing wasn't working out too well. We want them to get a divorce. Okay, well, here comes Blackest Night. We're going to have some revelations. Things are going to be said that can never be unsaid. They're going to break up, and, you know, that's it. And if we want to put them back together or whatever, we will in the future. You know, like, okay, I guess that's that's one thing that they can do. But, you know, like, this is, like, this is really heavy stuff. And... I think that, you know, a lot of people like the Green Arrow, Black Canary dynamic. So, you know, if you unleash something that you can never come back from, and all of a sudden, you know, like, now after this, like, how can she just, you know, turn a blind eye to this information? You know? that No, that's the thing. They don't have to. Like, like embracing this information as fact does not automatically lead to, well... How can I possibly live with you and be married with you and, and married to you and love you? I, we're just gonna have to be done. Like that's not the direction it has to go at all. I mean, I, I guess I guess you have to take the the wait and see aspect, you know, to to see how everything plays out. But like I said, it's it's very it's well written. It's a very well written issue. It's very well done. It's just not. It's not my cup of tea. Personally, I kind of wish, not in this exact way, but I kind of wish more Black Knight tie-ins had this kind of emotional impact on the characters and the readers. Because, I mean, if half of the ones we've been reading were more like this and less about just random person who's a Black Lantern punching and kicking a random superhero, then... So many more of our ti- the times we read would have risen to the level of being medium to good, <laughs> as, as opposed to being, like, generic, where did I put the toilet paper? This, but no, this is, like this, like I said, this is one issue that got me interested in checking out Green Arrow, you know? Yeah. And, like, because, I mean, it, it's, it's introducing new levels of drama to their fans. Like, I don't care what anybody says, comic books are basically soap operas half the time. <laughs> you need drama. Dra- conflict comes from drama. Yeah, I I guess I'm looking at it from the point of view that, like, if, if you had done this in Superman, and, like, um, you know, Superman is being taken over by the Black Ring, and he is like, forcing images, in, you know, to um, Lois Lane, that, like, since they've been married, like, he's had, you know, several affairs. You know, and, like, and the emotional impact is from Lois Lane just completely breaking down. You know, like, here's this once strong reporter that just, like, you know, all of a sudden she's just, like, a completely, you know, crying. You know, she doesn't have the strength that she, you know, typically has. She's been broken by it. You know, like, how do you come back from that? You know what makes that completely different from this? What? The fact that Superman is 
I won't say 100%, but Superman is such an incredibly different kind of person than Oliver Queen. And, like, a big, what they make a big deal about throughout this is that what they're fighting here is basically, like, all the bad things about Oliver Queen's personality getting to run the show, you know? Like, they even say, like, this does sound like him, and he even admits this is, this is like me, but not like me kind of thing. And that's the thing. That's how the Black Marine works. You know, it's it's taking what was already there and putting it on the outside with no filter. Superman does not have like like the only reason that the Black Ring was able to show Dinah that Ollie slept with these other women is because Ollie slept with these other women, not because something was possessing him or because he's evil or whatever. It's because, you know, it's who he is. It's it was a good idea at the time for him. You know, and is he still the same person as he was back then? Maybe, maybe not. You know, does he have the same values he did back then? Possibly not. But, you know, you know, if if Black Lantern Superman, you know, the the non-JSA one tried putting those images into Lois, well, you know, that's that would be the Black Lantern trying to lie to her because that's not in Clark Kent's past. But what about well, what, what if what if something along the lines of, you know, um, say Superman at one point seeing into the future and seeing that after you know Lois dies, he ends up you know getting together with Wonder Woman, as per the Kingdom Come storyline. Yeah, you know, just just throwing this out there. Like so, say Superman, you know, he's seen this, he knows that this is something that you know that would happen, and. He thinks to himself, it's like, you know, I, I can kind of see that. It makes sense. We're both super-powered and blah, 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 blah. You know, and, you know, like, using that kind of information on Lois Lane. You know, like, I've, you know, I, I, I've seen the future, and it turns out that once once you're gone, you know, I can finally be with somebody, you know, worthy of me, you know, in, in Wonder Woman or something like that. Yeah, once all set, once the whole crisis is done... You know, Lois, like, in that scenario, I can definitely see Lois coming to terms with the fact that, like, look, even in the scenario he presented, like, it's it's after Lois has been dead and he moved on. You know, and it might take her a while to get there. But, I mean, let, let's, let's be serious. Like, Lois Lane most likely will die before Clark Kent just because of, like, physiology and shit. <laughs> so, like... Once she's dead, do you think she wants him to be brooding over her loss for the rest of his life for God knows how long? Or do you think she wants him to eventually find somebody else and be happy? Obviously, you know, she'd want him to be happy. It's just that you don't want to know about it, you know, before you're dead. Yeah, and, and like, a lot of... like Something I expect to see a lot of all over the place is... The lingering question, you know, how much of what the Black Lantern said to me was true and how much of it was just the zombie ring trying to manipulate this and that. And I'm sure there will be plenty of cases with characters who, like, that question never gets answered and some will have to deal with it directly. And I hope to God the Green Arrow family is one of those. Yeah, I think when you open up, you know, when you when you put out there a situation like this in Green Arrow, if they don't follow up with it, and 
like I said, I'm not. It, it, like I said, it's not my cup of tea. But but realistically, if they don't follow up with these these issues, then you know they pretty much owe it to the reader after this issue. Yeah. Something I thought was a little weird. Okay. For now, I can understand them not calling Connor Hawk Green Arrow just for whatever. But he shows up to the fight without a bow or arrow, and he's just throwing shurikens at zombies. Like, like what? When did this start? What's going on here? Oh, is that is that what he was throwing? Yeah, he's got like th- he's got like like throwing stars of assorted designs. Oh, I thought he was doing some kind of like weird throw martial art thing. Like with his bare hands or something? Um, I'm gonna try and find the where it happened. Oh, okay. Oh, I see, I see now. Yeah, like uh, the page where um, he shoots the arrow at at Speedy's face. Yeah. Um. You know, and she ends up getting an arrow in his eye. Like, the next panel after that, he's, like, doing something weird with his hands, and I guess he is throwing something at him. I just took that as, oh, yeah. Yeah, and the next panel, you can see him, like, they're in his body. I thought those were energy spikes or something like that. I thought he was doing some sort of, like, weird, like, dragon kung fu move, like, you know... (laughs) Sending a force blast towards him with through kung fu. Well, he is hanging in the air for a kind of a long time because, like, him. Look at like him and Mia show up in the air about the same height at the same time. Then, in the time it takes her to land, line up a shot, and shoot, he's still in the air, still falling. <laughs> oh, and they just had a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Best not to think about that. Yeah, and I really like the art on the Black Canary Scream page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like the the art on, on most of it. I thought it was really good. I think there might have been something else I wanted. Oh, yeah. I guess most importantly, what <laughs> what in the hell do you think is going to happen now after the end of this issue? He's he's frozen with liquid nitrogen. Oh, you think he's going to, like, melt or something? I have no idea. Hmm. I mean, like... I can't really see a Black Lantern, like, rebuilding, because they're not really broken. Can a Black Lantern defrost liquid nitrogen? Well, it can build a body out of hair. (laughs) Yeah. Something will hit it, and he'll shatter, and the ring will put itself back together. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, okay. I think we're done with that one. Okay. Why don't you tell us about Tiny Titans? Uh, Tiny Titans number 25. The special guest uh, co-writer Jeff Johns for this issue. We have the Tiny Titans just kind of like hanging out, playing around. Match shows up, who is a bizarro version of Superboy. And um, then, uh, what is it? It's not Red Arrow, it's uh, Speedy. Yes, Speedy. Uh, Speedy, the uh, the sidekick to Green Arrow as a boy, he trades in a box of stuff to Mr. John's Sidekick City Pawn Shop and Bubblegum Emporium, 
run by <laughs> Jeff Johns, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's what he looks like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> he trades in this whole box for some gum, and then uh, some of the Teen Titan girls head over to that same shop and buy that same box back. And in the box, turns out, there's uh, one of each of the different color core rings. So all the girls, you know, in the group put put a ring on, and they all gain special powers, one for each different uh, color core. The uh, the boys, uh, Superboy, Robin, and Match, the bizarro Superboy, they uh, they don't actually get the, the actual rings. Instead, they get mood rings. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're just playing around. Finally, uh, meanwhile on Oa, the uh, the Guardians realize that the uh, the rings, you know, that were missing have been located. So they send uh, Green Lantern, who I'm guessing is Hal Jordan, to Earth to uh, to go retrieve them. He comes, he gets them, tells them, you know, maybe maybe they'll actually get the rings later on when they're older. And uh, in the in the epilogue. We find out that the uh, the green ring that had been lost actually belongs to uh, Green Lantern Chip. Yay! So he had lost it. <laughs> <laughs> this this issue is so cute. Oh, what you call it? Did you see in Jeff Johns's store? He actually has a uh, a picture of Dan DiDio and a picture of Ambush Bug. Yeah. Yeah, like I I had actually heard that. You know, all the the kids get the rings in this issue, so I had to run out and get it. This is this is pretty <laughs> funny. They all become the different cores, and they're making like cute stuff with the their uh, constructs. The orange teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I guess on the plus side, um, Terra doesn't start like throwing up blood. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I like how Oa is right next to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks exactly like Mogo. Yeah. Apparently Hal Jordan is the only adult in the group man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. So yeah, it was it was a quick read. You know. Not not a lot to it, but it was a lot of fun. The week that this came out, like uh I had also picked up the what was it Green Green Hornet number one by Kevin Smith and the Adventure Comics number eight and this was like hands down like my my most enjoyable uh, issue of, of that week oh and also pretty soon in Tiny Titans Chip will be uh, showing up from time to time. Okie doke, uh, what do you say we take a break? Yep. Okay. Okay, and we're back. And now we have a voicemail from... Chad Bokelman. Hey guys, it's Chad. Uh, just a quick question. General has not not 
much to do with Blackest Night or anything or any theories or speculation. Uh, but uh, question, the uh, the Guardians of the Universe. If I remember correctly, I remember early on in Green Lantern, the Guardians went away with the Zamorans, who to do some kind of uh, mating thing, I guess. I don't know. And then one of them went nuts. Appa Ali Opsum or whatever the hell he, his name was or whatever. Uh, and they, you know, did whatever they had to do with, to him. And uh, then Hal went nuts when he got possessed by Parallax and killed all the Guardians and Gant that was left. And then Kyle had the power of Ion and went back to Oa and restarted the battery and a bunch of little baby Guardians popped out. And then one of them grew up to be, like, as tall as a human, some chick. I don't remember her name. <clears throat> but uh, did some of the old Guardians just come back, or were those babies, like, reincarnated forms of the Guardians that were killed? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out the logistics. How do the, the Guardians that are are all there, you know, outside of uh, Ganthet, how does Sade or Scar or any of these Guardians know anything about prophecy or what happened early on Malthus and all these secrets? Is there like some kind of, was there some kind of Guardian information download program to download those Guardian babies with? I, I, I have nothing, I, I don't know much about the Guardians uh, outside of the the comics I do have, so just just thought I just thought you could answer the question for me. I have, I have no idea what well, what is going on. How do they? Are, are they it, just because they're guardians, they're supposed to know. It's just kind of part of their physiology. I, has that ever been explained? I'm rambling. Anyways, I'll hang up. Just uh, again, great show. I was just listening to you guys. I listen to every new episode about four or five times until the next one comes out. So. Uh, I heard y'all talking about the Guardians and when uh, Necron killed him and he asked him why you started doing this and the guy, the Guardian said, I don't know. I, like, I just figured, why would he know, you know? Why, why would he know if he was one of those baby Guardians or whatever? Sorry, I'm rambling. Thanks. Bye. Okay, Dan, you, uh, you have an answer for Chad? Yeah, I mean, in the, I I forget what issue. It wasn't this like a like a hundred fifty issue or something. It was it was some big anniversary issue where like Kyle brought back the cent. Uh, he 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 re-energized the central battery when he gave up being Ion. That whole deal. Right. So in the in the issue, I think it even says that you know, and this is going off of memory, but first of all, these are the the original Guardians that died in, in Emerald Twilight. These are those Guardians. Kyle resurrected them. And he brought them back as kids, basically because he wanted Ganthet to be able to raise them, to be like more like more like him, kind of. like the, One of the biggest problems about the Guardians is how set in their ways they are, and about how just just overall how they approach things. And, like, Ganthet was the exception to the rule. So, like, figures, okay, let's bring them back as kids so Ganthet can raise them 
and hopefully they'll come up with more like his sensibilities as opposed to the ones that they always had. Didn't go too well, but it was worth a shot. And the reason they have different genders is like this. I remember Kyle flat out said he made this change to them. It's like he <laughs> like he was hoping like if he if instead of it being like this all boys club or whatever, like it would help to like foster different opinions between them and like just he he was trying to make the Guardians a more well-rounded group as opposed to just these stodgy old men sitting around feeling like they're right about everything. What was the what was the name of the one guardian that ended up growing up? Leanna, I think. Leanne, Leanna, something like that. I'm probably yeah, per- something I'm, like- I'm probably forgetting a couple letters, but it was it was around that. <laughs> uh what did it, what ended up happening to her? I I uh, I haven't read anything with her in it after Kyle's series ended. I, I, I'm told she popped up in, like, an Omega Men miniseries or something, but I don't know. <laughs> so maybe something, maybe nothing. She might have been, she may be one of those characters they just kind of forgot about, or I don't, I don't know. Wow. Uh, as far as the Guardians actually, you know, going from babies to growing up, that happened between the end of Kyle's series and Green Lantern Rebirth, and they they never, ever, like, explain that, as as far as I can tell. Yeah. I mean, it's not unprecedented, because they had a whole story arc about the fact that Leanne, or Leanna, did it to herself, so, you know, why couldn't the rest of them do it eventually? Except more completely, or what? I, I don't know. It's not that big of a stretch. Although... Yeah, you know, like, I I can accept the fact that they just kind of, like, had that, um, I guess the memory was in their energy. So everything that they they know, you know, they remember because, you know, it was, it's just a way that they are. And if, and, you know, if that's not the case, then, you know, Ganthet was around and he was always an adult, so he would have always been able to remember everything. Yeah. Yeah, but Chad, these the guardians we have today are the exact same guardians we had back in the day. And that whole line at the beginning of Blackest Night number 7 about the whole like why did you start protecting the universe and this and that and him saying I don't remember. Like that wasn't supposed to be like a literal like a literal I have no memory of ever doing this kind of thing. It was it was supposed to be like a a moment of like of um you know best of intentions but lost my way kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently, uh, the character Liana, the the one guardian, did definitely appear in the Omega Man series in 2007. She was in the first three issues. I skipped that because the art looks so goddamn awful. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have the second issue. I flipped through it. I I got it. How did I get that? I didn't pay for it. You lost a bet? I I think that may have been some sort of grab bag prize somewhere or something like that. Mm. I don't remember. I I have no idea, but I definitely have that somewhere. I flipped through it. It didn't, you know, it didn't look that 
intriguing to me, and considering that I didn't have number one or any other issues, I didn't notice the character of Liana in there. Now I'm curious. Oh, uh, have fun with that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, do we have an email? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So we got an email from Darth Knight Jared, and the the one thing that I did want to uh, you know pick out of this email, he says um, for from last episode the the question issue that we talked about. He says, for, as for Tot's actions, while shooting Shiva would be too extreme, I'm not sure if it's fully out of character, if only for one thing. That he's partly lying about the whole reasoning. That he, uh, well, you know, wants to see the question, you know, and ask him about the, uh, you know, dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says that, you know, he believes both Raka and O'Neill had said in the past that they both thought that Charlie wasn't completely an orphan, but that Tot was actually his biological father. Uh, he goes on to say, I remember at least Rucka saying that he wanted to play with that idea. So, uh, you know, he ended up looking at it less that Tot was being a crazy mad scientist, but more of a father wanting his son back. And uh, he says, uh, if I remember right, Tot even calls him son, just before he let go of his emotions. Hmm. That's that's an interesting take on it. What do you think? Is Tot the baby daddy? <laughs> well, if that's the case, because I have absolutely no idea. But if that is the case, then it definitely, you know, adds a lot to his motivation for everything. It would, yeah. But I mean, like, I don't think. I mean, him calling Charlie's son. At the end there, like, like that's not automatically like oh no a sign yeah, of no. relation. That's just like like the like the older so maybe father figure, maybe not father figure, but like an older character referring to a younger character as son. It just it happens constantly. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'd be interested to see if they do play with it, and you know, it would definitely put a better light on some of the characterization in here. He's right about that. Um, I'm tr- I can't remember if I wrote back to him or not, but just to touch on his other point in the email, the whole, like, like the turning the emotions off thing in the question issue wasn't unprecedented because Mira did it in B- the Blackest Night miniseries to, to avoid Black Lantern Aquaman and all those dolphin girls or whatever. That's, that's, that's not, like... Like she, I don't, I didn't read it as Mira turned off her emotions. Like she was just trying to keep herself under control, you know. Like, like I can't tell you how many days, because I work retail. I I can't tell you how many days that where I've just had a really bad day, and there's there are customers that are just just pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and you just want to like reach across the counter and just like rip their head off. In a, in a nice way, and but you don't you you don't say anything about it to them. You don't physically act out at them. You you hold it back and bite your tongue because you need the job. It's like I I looked at what Mira did is pretty much the same thing except on a more extreme scale because she has a literal matter of life and death going on. Whereas the the way it was presented in the question issue, it was basically was an emotional light switch. Yes, yeah, without a doubt. And if you don't believe me, I suggest you go seek employment at your local convenience store. 
let's see. Oh, so so just to touch on something that we mentioned in the past couple episodes, the uh, the air bunny concept. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember how I said by the time that we record, I'm you know I think that we would you know be hearing from people that also say that they've never heard of air bunnies, right? Yeah, and I I also clearly remember calling bullshit on it in advance because people would write in because you said that. Right. Well, here's the thing, though, because on our Facebook page, Tyler Crone says, Hey, Dan Kurtzke, I have never heard of air bunnies, although now I will start using them. And... He is replied, you know, right thereafter by uh, Matt and Tiffany Heath, who says, Air Bunnies, what is that? Never heard of them either. Must be an East Coast thing. Now, what's interesting about this, Dan, is that these comments went up March 13th, which was before we posted the episode. So it's not like they were coming to, uh, you know, to my defense to, you know, point it out just because you had said it on the episode. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I'm, whatever. Whatever. I'm claiming victory there. Yo, you're claiming victory. You know what? I'm getting pe- more people to... I'm spreading awareness of this. I should I should make my own, like, plastic bracelet and sell it. Like, this... This... <laughs> this like, so many people... You like, This time next year, Air Bunnies is going to be on everyone's mind and in everyone's heart. You just watch. <laughs> You, you can you can cling to that hope and go for it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention that, you know, I, I posted this on our Facebook page, and, and everybody, like, really, you should join our Facebook page because every once in a while, we really do come out with something that's very interesting or, you know, just cool to hear. So I, I just kind of, like, threw out the idea that when the Green Lantern movie comes out next uh, June, it's next June, right, Dan? Uh, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost positive that it's June of 2011. When this movie comes out, you know, if, like, the Lantern cast had, like, kind of like a viewing party in New York City so that, you know, all of our listeners that wanted to come out, we have, like, a giant, you know, gathering get-together. Everybody gets tickets ahead of time, and... We go in, we, we see the movie together, and, I don't know, go somewhere afterwards and hang out or whatnot. And it would just be, like, a really huge lantern cast gathering for all of our listening listeners and us. Party at Jim's place. <laughs> I'm probably a little too far away for that. Nah, we'll make it. But, uh, yeah, so I just want to, you know, kind of plant the seed out there. And as it gets closer, like, we'll, we'll plan this a little bit better, you know, if it's going to be possible or not, but it would definitely be something fun to do, because our listeners are pretty awesome, and it would be awesome to hang out with them. Yeah, we're planning this, like, 13 months in advance. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think with our track record, getting an early start is probably a good idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh, mark it on your calendars, folks. Start saving up. So, hey, how about that contest, huh? Oh, yeah, that contest that we had where M. Guy won. Yeah. 
we have uh, we have some other entries that um, we'd kind of like to read out for everybody. Yeah, and these covered like a pretty good range too. Like, oh, like yes. obviously, like like Jacob, Jacobs was really just it just hit you. But some of them were like, I mean, one of my favorites. Like, I know you like this one too. That came from a from a Harley Q Bunny on the forum. Yes, Rachel. Like she basically like hers is short. Um, hers just says like my story takes. Should I read the whole thing or? Yeah, yeah, yeah read the whole thing. Right. My story takes place during Dragon Con 2009. I was helping out my boyfriend GL Kitte on the forum uh, with his dealer's booth. We decided to take a break from work and check out the dealer's room. As we searched around, we found a booth that sold graphic tees. Uh, as he was looking around the grid wall, he found a set of Blackest Night tees, uh, the shirts with the symbol and the emotion written under it with the, the color bursting out from the symbol. Uh, he wanted them a lot, but he didn't have the money to buy all of them, so we went back to the booth. The next day of the con, when it was my break time, I bought him the whole set. When I made it back to the booth, he just got off the phone and seemed frustrated. I handed him the bag. And when he opened it up, his face lit up like Hal Jordan's ring. He knew that I had spent all of my money in my wallet to make him happy and to show him how much I really love him. Now, straight away, that has a completely different impact than Jacob Moore's. Or how do, how do we say his name? Jacob Mauer. Mauer. Jacob Mauer's. Hi, yeah. Jacob. Well, J- Jacob sent us an email to let us know, like, actually how to pronounce his name, which is pretty funny because I actually have an aunt who, that's her last name, too. So you would think that I would know how to pronounce it, and yet I don't. Exact same spelling and everything. (laughs) But, like, what I really loved about this story is how, how every day it is. You know, it's, it's, it's one person doing something simple to make someone else happy. It's like she took the limited money and resources she had at her disposal and devoted it solely to the happiness of another person. And it was like it was small, it was simple, it was, it was just, it, I guess it was kind of it was touching, you know? Yes. It's like anyone could do it, and that's what made it even better. Well, now now we have to read off Jacobs because you keep on comparing the two. <laughs> oh, they so, can listen back. Come on. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll, I'll read off Jacobs, which this this was an interesting one too. He's, he writes. The only experience where I overcame great fear that comes to mind for me happened when I was around 13 or 14. He's now 31. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. What? Wait, who won the contest? Oh, my God. M. Guy. I know there was an M in there. (laughs) Oh, God. Why did... Wait a minute. Why did Jacob email us about how to pronounce his last name? We, We mentioned him for some reason on the episode. Oh, God damn it. Oh, oh. Okay, wait. Okay, so just say say this and we'll we'll cut it and paste it. Um you know, the, the main difference between Harley Q bunnies and M guys. I don't know. I think this is kind of good to keep. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. 
Well, now I'll read Jacob's. Okay. Because they are very different. I, you know me in names. What do you want? <laughs> Jacob writes, The only experience where I overcame great fear that comes to mind for me happened when I was around 13 or 14. He's now 31. He writes, I was born and raised in the coal regions of Pennsylvania and was out mountain hiking with two friends. I was in the lead at walking on a seldom used path. Both of my friends were behind me by a good number of feet when all of a sudden the ground opened up beneath me. There was an old mine and it had caved in under my feet and I fell with it, fell with it almost 30 feet. My one friend went for help while the other stayed near. I came to shortly afterwards and it dawned on me where I was and what had just happened. So there I was, a young kid sitting on rocks and dirt in a partially caved in mine. What was odd is that I really wasn't afraid. I was hurt and bleeding, but I just got up and willed myself to climb out. It also could have been the concussion. After several attempts, I was able to make it out, and me and my one friend walked the couple of miles back to town, limping and bleeding. I found out later that the fire company, police, medical helicopters, and a good part of the town, it was a very small town, they didn't even have a stoplight, were out searching for me, but I just walked myself back to town. Of course, looking at the pictures afterwards, I was terrified and couldn't believe that I lived through it or fell that far without any major injuries, except for some hearing loss. But I can now say that I have lived through a mine cave-in. That is just a cool story. I mean, come on. It really is, yeah. <laughs> um... Another another one that I really liked was from Nicholas Naves, I want to say. Naves? I think it's Naves, yeah. He writes, I'm a sophomore in college right now. I get a call a few months ago from my mother. She says she hasn't been paying for the taxes for three years on the house, and it's going to be foreclosed soon. Then everyone in the room looked at me. I sighed and said I'd take care of it. So I took a $3,000 loan, got a credit card so I could max that out, then borrowed $400 from my uncle. Now I'm paying all those back with the three jobs I have. So I'm going to school full-time while working 30 hours a week. And that's willpower. That, that one was good. Yeah. Like, that one, I, I kind of I look at the same as I do Harley Q. Bunnies. Like, like obviously what he's going through is a lot more intense and everything, and I don't mean it in that way, but in the way that it's a very, like, everyday kind of... I mean, when I was in college, I couldn't tell you how many people I knew who were... They were taking classes full-time, but they were also working, like, a job or two because, you know, they had to... They had to pay for their own school. So it's like... Like, this is so... I mean, odds are, no matter who you are, you know somebody who's in who's going through some form of this, where they have to basically overload themselves with work in order to get by and do what it is they want or need to do. Yeah, so that's that's three more entries right there. I guess uh, we'll uh, maybe read a couple more off next time? Um, we could. Yeah, but we'll just keep stretching this out. God. <laughs> So, 
So one thing that I will say is, like, I've been teasing this for a while. I said while the contest was going on that, you know, even if you don't think that you have any chance of winning, you'd want to enter the contest anyway. Oh, yeah, what the hell were you talking about? <laughs> what What I was talking about exactly was... Now, I haven't been able to set it up because we're getting ready for Super Show. So this is going to take place after Super Show. But say within a week or two after Super Show, everybody that entered the contest is going to be getting a special email. And in that email, it's going to have a special link. And that special link is going to go to a special special section of our website that I'm going to create. And it's going to have an episode that we never released. This is an episode, this is our lost episode. We recorded an episode, like, many months ago. This was before Blackest Night actually got underway. And it was actually a really good episode. It was a really interesting one. And, like, one thing led to another, and we just ended up, like, never being able to use it. Because, you know, eventually it got to the point where it was untimely to use. You know, and between them, we just didn't have a shot. So... We have this this whole bonus episode. It's you know it's a really good episode. Got to you know clean it all up, and uh, we're gonna throw that on the website. And anybody that entered the contest is going to be able to listen to that episode. So you know maybe just maybe in the future for our next contest, I'll do the same thing so that anybody that enters gets to listen to that episode too. But maybe not. I haven't decided yet. So we'll see. Did I have fun in that episode? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. That was a really, really great episode. That was the episode where we came up with uh, the the list of things uh, that... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's a good episode, everybody, and you'll want to listen to it. But you can't unless you enter the contest. Holy crap. <laughs> While we've been talking, we got three more emails from Jacob Maurer. Really? Maurer. It's Maurer. Maurer. Whatever. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm kidding. Actually, three more, three more emails and a voicemail. So for all we know, he left us a message. Uh, we'll, we'll get to those next time. <laughs> um, hey. Uh, it's almost Super Show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, by the time this episode goes up, Super Show is next week. Yep, there will be four days left by the time this airs. Oh, man. It's going to be huge. It is. It's, it's, yeah. Are there, like, who on our forum is going? Is anybody going? Oh, yes. Yes. Lore Knight number four. Lore Knight number, that... That's not a person's name. <laughs> okay, Blue Jonter. I'm like, Blue we don't Jonter. have someone registered as that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Blue Jonter will be there. Meg will be going. Is she the one with the Harley Quinn avatar? Yes. yes. Okay, yeah, she's going. Nice. And hopefully some of our Facebook friends as well. Yeah, there were a couple people on our on our Facebook that were kind of kind of on the fence about it. Yeah. Reading, Pennsylvania, everybody. Yes. You have, you have, by the time this airs, you will have less than a week to decide if you want to go. You have four days to get there. 
do it. Make it happen. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we have so much planned. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. God. Uh, every every day, I'm so used to having these goddamn rings in my house. Every day I look over them again, and I it, it dawns on me once a day, that's right, I have to pack these. So, <laughs> so I think as soon as we finish tonight, I'm just going to go and pack just everything and just put it in the middle of my room so I can't physically leave without tripping over it. God, are you staying? Yeah. Where, where are you and Lauren staying? Are you in the Days Inn, too? No. No, actually, we couldn't, uh... I, I, I booked too late. Uh, where... Uh, where are we? You're probably, like, across the street, because all the hotels are, like, right there. It's, uh, it's down the road. Um... One second, and I'll tell you. We will be staying at the Candlewood Suites. Oh, fancy. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, my buddy Eric, who will also be coming with us, he's going to be staying with Jason. Oh, yeah? Where's Jason? Where are he and Jason staying? They're staying at uh the, the one that you're staying at. Oh, they're at the Days Inn? Yes. They have beds big enough for Jason at the Days Inn? <laughs> they gotta bring in four. All right, just like stack them up. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, uh, if if you're within distance to be able to get to Reading, Pennsylvania, go because it, it's it's gonna be so much fun. It's if you go into a show like, like New York Comic Con or San Diego, this is like the polar opposite of that, mm-hmm. where it's like it's not about like it, it's it's like for what those shows have in like size and spectacle and shopping opportunities, Super Show has in heart, you know. And take all the cheese out of that <laughs> sentence, and it's just it's true, you know. It's it's a great big get-together with friends, basically, if you're friends with a couple hundred people, which you will be if you go to Super Show. <laughs> that, was like one of the, that was, like, one of the big things. Like, I went by myself last year, and I just wandered around and started talking to people, whether they're at a table or they're just walking around. And, like, by the end of the weekend, everybody knew everybody. Ex- well, mostly, because you and Lauren were there, apparently, and I'd never seen you before. So... <laughs> <laughs> I know who the the new voicemail is from. Who? Chad. How often does he call? Okay, why not? We'll, <laughs> we'll get to him later. We'll get to him later. We got to him already tonight. I know. What does he want from us? Oh man, Chad, you're giving us so much to work with. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so. I think I think we're good for this episode. Yeah? Yeah. All right. So, let's see. If you want to contact us, lanterncast at gmail.com is our email address, or you can email us individually at jim at lanterncast.com, dan or jason, all at lanterncast.com. Uh, we have a website at lanterncast.com where you can find all of our episodes uh, there's uh, some other little things on there, a gallery and about page. 
links to our forum, which is now up again. The forum is now yes. up again. It's back. God bless Thank you, God. Brian Deemer. God bless you. Yes. Uh, it's got links to our Facebook page. Uh, you can go there, become our Facebook fan. And we're also on iTunes, so go check us out on iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a review. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. One, one last thing. Our voicemail number. Oh, right, we have that. Yes. Okay, I just used it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our voicemail number is 206-600-7357. So call us up, leave us a voicemail, and... Okay, we'll, we'll see you at Super Show, or you'll hear us next on episode 54. So long, folks. Bye. Why'd you ever have to hear my voice?